thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey guys, are you looking for ways that you can improve your company's customer experience, customer success, and revenue operations? Then reach out to CX Chronicles. We created CXE after years of being practitioners ourselves, experiencing firsthand the challenges and opportunities of building and managing CXCS revenue operations team from the ground up at a scaling organization. Why work with CX Chronicles? Number one, you get executive level expertise and credibility from day one. We jump in and ramp up as quickly as you need us. Number two, you get actionable CTAs that will maximize your CX and CS ROI. We investigate and audit the economics of your existing CX and CS structure and determine how it can be optimized. And number three, check out our amazing CX and CS focused SaaS partners. We're working with Salesforce, HubSpot, Sturdy, Zendesk, Customer, Help Scout, Churn Zero, Freshworks, and more. Reach out to CXE today, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm super excited for today's show, guys. We have a very fun guest. Jeanette Wiley, project manager of CX at Owl Labs, is joining the show. Jeanette, say hello to the CX Nation for us. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on today. Absolutely. So guys, um, Jeanette and I met through a friend of ours, um, Morgan J. Ingram, several weeks back, and she is working at a super, super cool um, company uh, called Owl Labs. Um, Jeanette, why don't you start off today's show like we start off all these before getting into the pillars and Owl Labs and all mm-hmm. the things you guys do with team tools, process, and feedback. Why don't you take the first couple of minutes, um, introduce yourself, give us a sense for sort of, number one, how did you get into this role that you're in today being a, a customer experience project manager at Owl Labs? And number two, how did you get interested in like the whole world of working with customers and product and technology? Um, give us the, the sense for what your stepping stones were here. Yeah, totally. So um, going a little bit farther back, when I first graduated from school, I was really set on doing land conservation work, which is obviously quite a world away from uh, CX land. But uh, in doing that, I discovered that uh, being alone in the woods all day, while it seems like an amazing experience, I got really lonely and just really missed working <laughs> with people. Um, so it was a good <laughs> Good learning experience. It's a little, a little bit different than working a, at a high, a high, a high <laughs> technology company, right? Just, just a tad. Just a little bit. Um, yeah. So I kind of 180 after that experience, and I started working at a very large climbing gym and co-working space in the Boston area, uh, and eventually I got to manage the front desk team there. Um, and I've had some other service industry experience as well. Like I was a bartender. Um, and so I, I knew that people were what energized me in my work. Um, and then once I decided my time sort of, you know, had ended at the, the climbing gym, I was actually walking around town in Somerville and, uh, just walked past a building with this really cute owl logo on it. And I thought, "Hmm, (laughs) what could that be? Uh, and when I started looking at their website, I got really intrigued by um, everything they were working on. And 
they ended up taking a chance on me and I got to join their customer care team um, as one of the early employees at a, at a smaller startup. And then I got to grow into the current role that I'm in now, which is a project manager. And I focus on the CX operations. That's awesome. So wait, a couple of things. Number one, I, <laughs> I service and hospitality. That is the one that's the one early thing that so many guests of CXCP have called out. So whether it's yeah. waiters, waitresses, bartenders, hostesses, I find it. I, so this is like, this is a, the first commonality that we've just seen with so many other customer focused business leaders. And I think it makes sense, right? When you're anybody that has done that type of work, has done any type of service work or hospitality type of work, then you mentioned front desk. You're literally dealing with people. You're dealing with customers every single solitary shift, every single solitary day. Some people you love and they're awesome and they're great tippers and they're easy orders and they're <laughs> pleasure to have. Some are the worst, right? And they yeah. every one of those things I said, they're the opposite <laughs> of it. But I love that that's kind of how you sort of cut your teeth and it, it it started to be like a way that you eventually later in your career, you started to kind of pick up on this is probably stuff that you're kind of thinking about every day. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I have to ask you, does Owl Lab still have the same logo that they had when that owl <laughs> on the side of the street caught your attention all those years ago? No, we have since rebranded okay. to a more mature okay. logo, but uh, yeah, still same cute owl. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, why don't you tell us about the Owl Lab team? So I know you're going to jump into the pillars, but give us a sense for Jen, who, who, who Owl Labs is and sort of what y'all are doing and give us a sense for what some of your typical customers look like today. Yeah, absolutely. So Owl Labs is a collaborative tech company, and we're really focused on meeting equity and making hybrid meetings more accessible to more people. Um, and we actually have a really cool founding story, if you don't mind me Please going off on, yeah, on a short tangent. Absolutely. Yeah, so our co-founders, um, Mark Schnittman, he used to work remotely. He was one of the only remote employees at the company that he worked for. And he found it really hard to stay connected with his peers. Um, and so one day he had one of his coworkers put a laptop on a swivel chair. And as the meeting would go on, he would have that person move the swivel chair. <laughs> I like that. So that That's an laptop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, you know, the camera would focus on whoever was speaking. And then eventually it turned into kind of a light bulb moment. Like, you know what? I thought we can actually make this a, a product that doesn't require a human to move a computer on a, on a solar chair. <laughs> to move um, the chair so, of the TV around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's how the owl was born, um, which is pretty cool. And so we've we've grown since then. We've had a few iterations of our flagship product, which is called the Meeting Owl. Um, and now we have some other accessories that can layer into it to make the meeting experience better. That includes uh, the whiteboard owl. So if there's a meeting that includes a lot of whiteboarding, uh, you can layer that in as well. So we really don't have, um, I wouldn't say we have like a super niche uh, client base. It's really anyone that works with a hybrid or distributed team could benefit. I, I love it. I think that's awesome. Guys, I was telling I was telling Jeanette a few weeks ago when we were getting ready for today's show, um, you know, I'm sure many of you have actually used uh, an OWL device, but for folks that haven't, it, it really does make remote work or hybrid work a whole different game makes it a lot more enjoyable i know that recently yeah. we were uh visiting one of our clients um uh out in omaha and and long story short they have the owl lab so i told you i'm like I, I know it really really well i got to spend a week with the team um that we work with and and and, and it was awesome because basically i felt like 
for the folks that were in the office during doing the live meetings, it made it much more enjoyable for the folks that were working remote who weren't able to get to Omaha that week. And I thought it was such a cool device. I also just think it's like not enough. There's a lot of, I know that I know that COVID created many different camps, right? Some camps where people are going to work remote forever and it's done and never going to the office again. Okay. It's created the hybrid camps where it's kind of in the middle and they want half the time in person, half the time remote. And then it's created the third camp of, you know, the, the traditionalists who they want people back right this second if they haven't already called them all back. Yeah. So we've literally got three different camps. This helps all of those camps because, frankly, even big companies, like, you're not always going from the 20th floor to the 40th floor to, for a 30-minute meeting. And you're not or, – or meeting space is tight. And big even in big companies, meeting space and meeting rooms can be oftentimes – um limited right people are battling for each yeah. other's schedules so like this device helps that too for folks that might be maybe three or four people are sitting at their desks while the other 10 people are in the meeting room doing their thing it's so it's really interesting guys for fo folks that haven't used it um certainly an, an, an awesome way of, of really kind of rethinking the way that you can increase your employee experience and really kind of make sure that folks are are feeling connected so um um Jeanette, i'd love for you to dive into the first CX pillar of team. Talk about the team at Owls Labs. How, how have you guys kind of laid out the different players on the pitch? Yeah, for sure. So I'll start with the CX team since that's most relevant now. Let's start there. Um, yeah, so our CX team, we have it kind of split into two sub teams. We have the technical support team, which is I guess what you would think of maybe as more traditional troubleshooting. Um, any of our customers who maybe need a little more help getting set up um, or you know, need help with special features that we have in our app, they'll go to the technical support team. Uh, and then our other team is customer care. And so they're a little bit more sales adjacent. They'll help with general product questions, helping people decide whether or not our products are right for them. Um, and then also kind of like post-sale help as well. So shipping questions, tax exemption, that kind of stuff. Um, I found it's really nice to have the team split up in that way because all of our reps are well-versed in both sides of those teams, but we do have our specialties so that if there are, you know, a big influx of questions on one specific day, we know how to break up that work. But we found that empowering everyone to be able to speak on both troubleshooting and uh, the more customer care style questions, um, it prevents us from having to like pass our customers around. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 one of those things where like as as much as you can share some of that tribal knowledge as possible before it starts to really kind of blur the lines and now you're starting to get into a different subject matter expertise. But man, having um some of that institutional knowledge spread across a broader team, it really does help. And then on top of it, typically innovation can come a little bit faster from that when everybody kind of understands enough about a certain set of uh, of areas of a business and makes them be able to form opinions on it. And it makes them be able to kind of share or add ideas or collaborate on what, maybe what the, the next iteration or the next generation or the next version of that, that process is. So it makes tons of sense to me, Jeanette. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then we kind of go one layer further in that for different products that we offer, we have certain folks on the team who are what I would consider the expert in that product. Um, and again, of course, everyone knows about all of our products, but it helps to have those experts because they can sort of be the voice internally for our product team and engineers to speak on um, any improvements that customers are asking for. Awesome. That's fantastic. So keep going in your team. So you've got this incredible CX team. You've got it divided by all these different facets. What other teams are you guys kind of working with or what other teams is, is the customer experience teams really kind of interplaying with? 
Yeah, I would say uh, marketing is a very natural uh, big big sister, <laughs> big sibling <laughs> to uh, to CX, and so we actually have our whole CX team uh, reporting into our uh, senior VP of marketing. Um, and that's a newer change, which I think some people might be surprised by those departments mixing in that way. But uh, to me, it makes total sense because they're both really focused on the customer journey. I, I um, you just said it. I, I love that you, you, you put that one right out there. It's that's exactly right. It's like marketing has traditionally not just told stories and not just tried to grab attention or, or 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 get interest from a potential customer they've really kind of understood the story or the journey or the flow or or or, or all the different facets of of what that pipeline or what that customer journey looks like and i think you're spot on Jeanette. more and more and more um future thinking customer focused organizations marketing and cx and customer success and sales work hand in hand like they work hand in hand they're constantly thinking about how they can support each other, prop each other up, um, share for, from each other's wins and losses. And then more importantly, watching that journey, right? And especially some of the some of the yeah. greatest companies on planet Earth, they're getting excellent at not just understanding the customer journey, but understanding the analytics for each section of the journey so that they can constantly pitch and pivot and and really kind of tighten, uh, tightly move the, the ship wherever they need to. So I love that that's kind of how you guys are doing it over at Owl Labs. Yeah, me too. It, it just makes total sense for us. And then my team, I'm on the business operations team. And so uh, there's two of us project managers, and we work across all parts of the business. But um, I'm grateful that I get to focus on more of the customer facing side of things. So I work with sales and CX um, and even marketing, too, to make sure that our processes are aligned as best as we can. That's awesome. I think I, I know I say this on almost every single solitary episode, but like this is why customer experience and customer success is one of the most fun parts of any business. You get you just get to literally touch every part of the journey. So if you get to touch yeah. every part of the journey, you're in effect getting to work with every single team in the business. And it's funny, even yeah. even some businesses who say, Oh, well, finance doesn't touch the customer. They do. There was a payment. Mm-hmm. There was a payment transaction at some point that a customer literally had to go through to get the credit card or to swipe the thing or to click the buy or whatever it was. And at that moment in that part of the journey, that customer was either loving it or they weren't loving it. So like even like some of our friends in finance and, and some of these back office roles that you don't think have an effect on the customer journey, they do. So it's it's definitely yeah. one of the most fun parts of it. Um, Jeanette, I'd love to jump, jump into the second CX pillar of tools. So Yes, Talk about favorite. the tech stack. This is what you said earlier. She, she, she that was ready. She's like, can we start with tools today? That's, that's what she said. But can you give us a sense for how is the Owl Labs team kind of built out um, their tech stack? And what were some of the major pieces of technology that y'all invested in early to really kind of help grow the business and, and build your customer base? Yeah, absolutely. So Salesforce is our main CRM. That's our source of truth for everything. And then all of our other tools that we've layered in um, we integrate in with Salesforce. And so some of my favorite tools, if I can start with those, <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Include, uh, Groove, which is a sales engagement tool. Um, we use that more on the sales team than we do CX, but basically it layers into Gmail and any emails that our sales team are either receiving or sending out, they get automatically logged into Salesforce. So they don't have to worry about like making sure that their activity is getting reflected. Um, and I just love tools where they work. The team doesn't really have to spend a lot of energy on them or have to open up whole separate browsers. Like it's just, it plugs into a tool that Definitely. we already used. 100%. Um, 
So we love that one. And then a personal favorite of mine is Loom, if you're familiar. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it just makes total sense for Owl Labs to lean into the asynchronous work because we're, you know, thought leaders in the hybrid space. And so um, having a tool where I can help answer questions for a team who's in Europe, even though I live in Colorado, um, it's really nice to have that personal touch, I think. And they can see my face and also my screen, and it just makes it feel a little bit more personal. Question, Jeanette, to you. So I love so so many of our listeners probably love Loom because of everything Jeanette just said. It makes it easier to communicate. It makes it easier to be asynchronous. Do you guys use Loom primarily for your internal conversations with teammates, or do you also use it with customers from time to time? We do. I think we we typically use it internally. Um, most of our video communication that we use with customers happens in the form of our live demos, um, typically through Zoom. Um, that's the best way for us to showcase how the meeting owl works. So okay. we tend to lean on that more for um, showing customers the experience of the owl. I love it. And, and guys, yeah. I, I, I love that Jeanette brought this up because video solution is just constantly, Jeanette, it's coming up on like these... Um, uh, the CX and CS top 10 tricks and hacks and best practices and stuff like that. Video, leverage video. Guys, if you got the yeah. type of customer base where you are in a position where it's either easier or you're comfortable or it just makes sense to pop on a video and talk to Jeanette or Adrian for like five minutes and like literally bang out a problem or see a, see a product, see something like in flight really quickly, start leveraging it. And not only that, it's just get, it adds another medium to your arsenal from a CX and a support and a, and a success perspective where you can literally make, be making sure that you're kind of, you've got a tool to pull out of the back for every different type of customer, the phone people, the text people, the video people, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Keep going. What other tools are you guys using? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think we actually don't use Help Scout right now, but we did in the past when I was on chat and I was a customer care rep at Owl Labs. Um, and I just loved Help Scout, not only the tool that they offer, but I think their their CX experience as someone who used the product was really impressive. Um, and so I still follow along with some of their uh, marketing <laughs> help, content. Help Scout, <laughs> so yeah, help Scout, help Scout is, is, is one of our strategic partners here at CXC. We actually had the pleasure of having Nick Francis, their CEO, on uh, sometime last year. It's an incredible best-in-class solution. So many growth companies that are thinking about how to just keep track of tabs on support side plus just general communications. HelpScout is such a great way to go. I totally agree with it. Incredible tool for any CX or CS or to kind of look into if you're if you're trying to expand your tech stack and trying to expand your 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 your, your tech game as your business gals. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've really uh, recently started leaning into Salesforce as our knowledge base internally. We've always had our external, you know, facing knowledge base through Salesforce, but um, now we're having a lot more like company wide information in there, and we're getting more of our own company. Um, with users, you know, user seats in Salesforce so that they can share content across the board. No, and it's wait, I know we're going to get into this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, jumping ahead. I, I know, no, but I want to hear more about this because number one, I would say like, let's call it what it is, guys. Salesforce is the 800-pound gorilla in the CRM space. Mm -hmm. $22 billion annual uh, revenue. I mean, the comp every one of us is probably using Salesforce in some way, whether <laughs> it's, if it's not in our day job, it's for one of our side hustles, but every one of us has had to touch Salesforce. How are you, talk more about the way that you guys are actually doing the knowledge management in Salesforce. What were some of the, the things that you folks at Owl Labs have done to start leveraging that part of the knowledge tool? Were you bringing playbooks and dumping it inside of it? Were you building process and workflows right inside of the knowledge section? I'd love to kind of hear more about how you guys were leveraging that. Yeah, so we kind of have it split up into two different methods, I would say. One of them is 
on our external facing content, if you're logged in as an LWAB Salesforce user, we can see a little bit more context about, you know, what that troubleshooting article might might involve. Okay. Um, have, you know, here's the rep at Labs who specializes in this specific product, like go to them with questions. And so we can add some more information to our team who's looking at it internally, even if it's Very a cool. link that we're sending, um, which is really cool. And then the other way that we're using it is for training and processes and things like that. So for example, if someone on the sales team wants to learn more about how their phone calls are logged or how they can you know, tie a phone number to an existing contact in our system, they could go and find an article that will outline those steps for them so that we don't have to go digging through Slack history to try to find the answer for something that... I mean, you don't love spending 15 minutes to <laughs> Slack to find the one message from like a month ago. <laughs> I, exactly. that's, that's and, then, another... and then it's, you know, an outdated answer anyway. Absolutely. So. It's an old school answer. Anyway. I, that's literally something <laughs> every one of us is banging our heads against the desk on every single day. Um, I love that. I think that's super, super interesting. I think the other thing that you're making me think about is like, Jeanette, there's so many growth companies and there's so many startup companies and there's so many venture-backed companies that leverage technology and they leverage some of the leading you know cx and cs and crm SaaS solutions out there what's crazy is as fast as this global market continues to rise meaning in revenue utilization does not rise with it so you calling this last part is really interesting because i think for future cx and cs and RevOps leaders guys it's going to be on us to figure out how utilization goes up into the right i and i will tell you this too i know for a fact there's not there's not a ton of executive leadership teams out there that actually have somebody on board who's actually computing or counting or measuring utilization across stack stack. Those days are coming, guys. Look at, I mean, if you look at the 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 the, the Fortune 500 companies globally, there has been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of shifts. There's been a lot of cuts. There's been a lot of belt tightening, for lack of a better term, over the last 12 to 18 months. That's not going to stop. And typically, smaller companies, it takes them longer to get to that point of where they realize what some of the some of the bigger companies do. And I just, I love what you're laying out here, Jeanette, because like, um, these are some ideas for our listeners around how they can start thinking about building their own early iterations of how to manage knowledge, how to manage increasing velocity of training and onboarding new new teammates, but then yeah. more understanding who on your roster understands what your baseline expectation is for your SaaS knowledge and your SaaS usability. And it's almost like that should be a measure or account that more companies should adopt and and, and think about um, because everybody keeps investing more and more and more in technology without necessarily understanding that utilization plan. So it's just something that I, I love that you're calling that out. It's something that I'm thinking about all the time. And I, I just feel like there needs to be um, more put around that space. So I love it. Um, any other tools that you guys are leveraging or any other tools that you're kind of um, um, working on to, 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 to build the, the, the customer base? Yeah. One that I really like uh, is Giftogram. We'll use that um, to work with customers who have been really helpful to us in beta programs or anything like that. We can send out some really cool personalized gifts. Um, and I think it's nice for our CX team to have that as a tool uh, in the toolkit in case, you know, they do have a customer that has been extra kind to them or, um, you know, helped us in some way. It's nice to be able to return the favor in the form of a of something cool through Giftogram. I, I have literally always been a fan of like surprising and delighting customers. If there is a way, if, if a customer either goes through a bad experience or to just point, not even the bad stuff, they just went out of their way to help you with feedback or with yeah. a listening to or, or with some advanced survey where like they, instead of the five minute survey, they popped on a 30 minute phone call and they walked through like a new feature set or something like that. Like 
surprise and delight them. Give them something for that time. Let them know that you're appreciative of it. It's lastly, a lot of companies do a really good job. It usually ends up just being some type of corporate swag anyway, where you're just going to get some <laughs> cool owls lab type of, like maybe you get a little stuffed owl or something like that. I don't know what yeah. you guys are doing, but like it really is a good way of being able to, um, again, branding, marketing experience. It's another piece of a journey towards the end of the journey. So I love it. That's sweet. Yeah, absolutely. One, one story that comes to mind is um, we've had some really creative customers who will rig these super cool, we call it uh Batman style, like upside down owls. Um, where they'll so the meeting owl has a tripod mount in the bottom of it and when we designed that we were like okay that will be on a traditional tripod like you can just screw the camera into it and it will sit in the middle of the space but we've had people flip the owl upside down and hang it from the ceiling and do all kinds of like super cool setups and then when they take the time to share that with us it's like so exciting for us to share that across the team and everyone gets so pumped to see you know this new way that someone decided to use the owl in their space <laughs> um and so those are really fun ways to interact with customers there's just a library of different different <laughs> owls in different offices across the world right now yeah people love to share that with us um and the other thing that people get really excited about is when you're registering the owl, uh, you can name it. And so people come up with some of the best owl names ever. And so we get really I like that. I like that. That's creative. That's smart. That's, that's yeah. creative. Um, Jenna, I'd love, to, I'd love to dive into the third six pillar process with you. Um, yeah. We just spent some time kind of talking about how you capture knowledge and how you share knowledge. But how? what are some of the ways that you and the team at Owl Labs are thinking about sort of managing your living playbooks? Or what are some of the ways that you go about doing some of the controlling or the monitoring or the updates required to keep some of these playbooks fresh and new and usable and digestible. I'd love to, I'd love to hear how you guys kind of think about process uh, over at Owl Labs. Yeah. I think something that's top of mind for me, just because it aligns closely with the day-to-day work that I do is getting routine feedback on the page layouts that we have set up specifically in Salesforce. Um, I think sometimes maybe people who are outside of the operations world can think that it might be like a waste of time to reduce just one single click. But to us, we're always thinking about how we can, you know, shorten our time to resolution with customers. And one of those ways is stop creating these long barriers for our own team to be able to close out cases and click through and categorize. And so I'm always thinking about how we can organize our layouts to a way that shows information to our reps um, in the most concise way, and then also limiting the number of clicks that they have to go through to get the information that they need. And, and is this specifically within within Salesforce, like within your CRM, or is this within the OWL, with the OWL product solution? Where, where exactly would you be helping to streamline some of the actual agent workflows and some of the agent clicks and scrolls? Mostly in Salesforce. Um, that's where a lot of our energy goes towards because that's the main platform that our reps are working out of. Um, but of course, any any of the tools that layer into Salesforce as well, we we love to look at that too. I but love- I think it's fun. We'll try to set up like one-on-one calls with um, some of our reps just so we have that time with individuals to go through and get their ideas. Um, I, I find that I mean, group settings are helpful in their own way, but I find that one-on-one feedback sessions can open up people to share a little bit more than they might if they're in a group setting. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I think that that's always been my experience as well. And I think 
most companies, part of what they're really hoping to pull or extract or to leverage out of their customer success investments, it's that. It's that part you just said right there. If if you're a customer success manager or you're a customer experience manager, customer support manager, and you're fortunate enough to have, let's just let's keep simple math here. Let's say that you have 25 or you got 50 or you got 100 customers or accounts. I mean, if you can if you can have a one-on-one touch point with those folks once a month and at least get a pulse check on, on and yeah. by, by the way, guys, a big part of this, and I know that every one of you has heard this forever, but like a big part of business is just relationships. It's like knowing who a guy or gal is on the other on the, on, on the other end of the line, that if and when there's an issue, an obstacle, a challenge, a question, you're gonna get a quick answer back from them and you're gonna be able to get the support you need. You're gonna be maybe they don't know it, but they know exactly who in the organization can help you with it. That's a big part of what it is, but also, Jeanette, it's wild how many growth companies they miss. They miss the ability to quickly capture more of an aggregate view of all those touch points. Meaning, like for every one of those one-on-one touch points, is there product-based feedback? Is there pricing-based feedback? Is there maybe some type of like future downstream product enhancement or a, or a piece of technology enhancement that they're asking for that they've seen from their own ex- usability experience? Those are things that you want to be kind of on a regular basis, kind of tapping into customers, hearing what they're saying, somehow bringing it back into your CRM or into into your tech stack and being able to make some type of note or count on it so that over time you can really start to kind of expand the way that your voice of customer reporting works. But I, I love that. I think that's that, that's such an important part for every, every one of our listeners to be thinking about. Yeah, I think that's right. And it tends to be less... Um flashy and exciting work but oh yeah process process hey i think process is sexy i really do people always say that process (laughs) is the boring stuff but like process is the glue that keeps these things together yeah yeah totally and i think one of the small ways that we do that is making sure that even like our pick list values within salesforce are cleaned up and fresh like we don't need to be keeping these stale old you know things that we built in 2020 even um (laughs) in there so it's nice to like constantly check out what kind of fields we have and what what fields are required. I've I've seen a lot of memes about how like a sales rep will try to move their opportunity to close to one and it's like 50 required fields before they can do it. <laughs> so there's definitely a line between like, you know, you want to capture crucial information, but at the same time, like we don't need to be requiring 50 fields for someone to. I, I love that you're bringing this up because if you think about it, Jeanette, there isn't enough. Um, number one, there isn't enough just general information, content, ideas, hacks, best practices around simple, easy ways that people can be thinking about sales ops optimization. But what you just said right there, like, I, I mean, I know, I know, I know that me and you are laughing about it, but not enough companies <laughs> actually have pick list control and monitoring plans. They don't go through once a quarter or minimally, minimally once a year. A year. <laughs> yeah. And maybe once a year. Because your joke about like, hey, this pick list is from 2020. When you're in a growth company, your ICP, your entire marketing strategy, your entire product and your entire technology, and probably half of your leadership team is wildly different three or four years later. It's not yeah. close. So like taking right. the time to go through Salesforce or go through HubSpot, reset your pick list, reprioritize your pick list, recreate your permissions on your point of which which pick lists yeah. are absolutely mandatory must have them which ones are nice to have so where you can start to really kind of build out on some of that that is an easy thing to do i'm not i'm not saying that all of our listeners can like pop in and bang it all out themselves right now in five minutes but like that's a great team exercise it's and then yeah. if, if you're not fortunate to have a sales ops team or department or a manager at your company who is the guy or gal that's tasked with thinking about the stuff you're gonna have to do it as a team exercise and you'd be shocked at how many picks you'll either drop 
edit or optimize change. Mm-hmm. And then when people say to you, well, reporting, there's, you're going to have to put, you know, reporting is going to be skewed from this point forward. If your, your reporting's already skewed and your dad is probably already skewed. <laughs> yeah, if right. you're looking at pick lists that are three years old, like that's the bottom line. So draw a line in the sand and just start counting accordingly moving forward from there is, 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 is what we always say. Um, any other, any other thoughts around, I guess, well, before we leave process, you know, one question I have for you is outside of some of the different things that you've kind of talked about, are there a handful of like performance metrics or activities or, or, or key performance indicators that you guys are really kind of prioritizing on? Like the, you mentioned at the front of the call, your the customer care and the customer support team. What are some of the big activities or counts or measures that you guys are kind of thinking about in the day-to-day that you know helps eventually lead to success with either finding new customers, retaining existing customers, or helping to grow the business? Yeah, I think we keep it fairly simple. Um, We typically look at average time to first reply and then number of pieces of contact, whether that be email or phone call to resolution as well. So those are kind of the two main KPIs that we look at, mostly because we're just trying to make our customers' lives easy, (laughs) as easy as we can. Um, But then we have more processes layered into the feedback section, but I don't want to steal your thunder for no the worries. next pillar. No <laughs> let's, jump, let's jump right into the fourth and final <laughs> pillar of feedback. Um, I'd love to kind of hear you kind of talk about how the Owl Labs team has collected, leveraged, and managed your customer feedback. And then I'd love to kind of understand how you guys are leveraging your employee feedback today as you grow the business. Yeah, absolutely. So our big uh, style of survey that we use for customers is the classic customer effort score. Um, in the past, we did use a CSAT score, but we found that customer effort score more aligned with what our goals were in terms of just making it easy for customers to get information from us. Was there um, something about CSAT that just wasn't working? Was it? Was, were you seeing a specific type of response or count that just didn't jive? What was it? Um, I don't think it's that... CSAT wasn't working. I think it's that when we started learning more about customer effort and how that scale was created, we we got really interested in that and thought that that made more sense for us. It wasn't that CSAT was negative. It's just, um, yeah, we, we really liked that the emphasis with customer effort was around how easy was this interaction for you? Like, did you get what you needed? Because um, that's that's really aligned with what we want to do. Love it. And it makes tons of sense. There's a ton of CX and CS and support leaders out there that are really focused on customer effort scoring. Um, It is simple. It is easy. It also, if you think about it, guys, if you're the type of product where you just literally need to know, is this thing easy? Like, can you (laughs) pull it out of the box and plug it into the wall and click on? Yeah? Awesome. Then we just literally engineered and designed this thing great. And then like, anything else (laughs) is extra. It's just, it's just icing on the cake. Um, yeah, keep going that, customer, your customer feedback. What other things were you kind of doing, or historically, kind of what things have you tried to kind of understand what people love or dislike about Owl? Yeah, so we also lean on an NPS score that we'll send out um, initially after the customer goes through the unboxing period and and setup, and then we also check in six months down the road to make sure that their experience is still uh, going well. Um, and one thing that I really like that we do at Owl Labs is we have a voice of the customer Slack channel that will sort of act as um, just a feed of the NPS responses coming through and the whole company is a part of that. So I think that 
that creates a culture of everyone feeling like they have some buy-in about what our NPS scores are. And um, if there's a detractor, we make sure that our customer care team is following up with them. Um, so it, it does feel like a group effort because we have everyone involved in the voice of the customer. So everyone is technically seeing. So I, lo- I love that you're calling this out. And I know a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of SaaS companies have done a really good job of integrating either their MPS or CSAT or customer reference scoring. Obviously, there's a bunch of other tools out there like Churn Zero and 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 a bunch of other survey-based tools that can also kind of integrate within Slack. But like what Jeanette's talking about is is absolutely right, guys. The socializing this or putting this stuff on a stage oftentimes helps. Number one, you're going to see sort of which people are noticing and engaging the feedback that's coming inbound. Number two, I know for me, with a lot of the clients that we work with at CXC, Jeanette, seeing what's happening with it. So I love that you just mentioned like at Owl Labs, a detractor comes in, somebody is immediately reaching off and basically running through like the detractor process for lack of a better term. Some people, yeah. I know I've, I've been a part of a bunch of teams and I've certainly built a bunch of teams where detractors get a phone call on the spot if if it's warranted, if it's permitted, um, or it's minimally the email, or it's minimally an invite to talk to somebody that's senior that that might be able to unpack or unearth a part of that consternation that maybe is way deeper or way broader or way more valuable than somebody might look at in terms of just seeing like, you know, they gave us a, a five out of, out of 10 or uh, they gave us a two out of five or they gave us a, a one out of seven. Like oftentimes there's way more gold inside that story. If someone's willing to kind of dig and pry on it, especially if you can get them on the phone or get in person, like nothing's better than hearing what that discontent was and just trying to figure out how you can unpack it. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to see where in the customer journey things may have broken down. So is it that maybe we accidentally, you know, recommended a product for a room where it wasn't the right fit? Or was it that it was the right fit and maybe they just missed something simple about a setting in the app that they could have turned on. And so we like to look and see if there's any patterns we can extract from that and then work with whichever team it's most appropriate for to try to course correct if we can. Love it. Awesome. Um, Jeanette, what about the employee side? How are you guys at the Owl Labs team sharing like employee-based feedback to think about how you can improve the product, improve the improve the service, improve the culture of, of the business and the team? Yeah. So one of the ways that we do that is directly from Salesforce, we have an option to uh, submit feedback, which will then feed back into Slack and Jira for our product team. And so if uh, one of our reps is working off of a case in Salesforce and they get some really good suggestion from a customer, or they're starting to just notice a pattern of the same type of request, they can just basically click a button in Salesforce um, and that will generate a survey object, um, which feeds back into to Slack for the team to read. So that's really cool. Um, and then we also have a full Slack channel just dedicated to product feedback. Um, so a lot of times if our sales reps are running into maybe some barriers to closing a deal, they'll be able to write out, you know, the exact instance of why someone might not be considering the product and and see if there's anything we can do to to help the customer. I love that. I think the 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 you know to be honest with you, Jeanette, I don't hear enough of this response right here from some of our guests. Meaning, like it's so common for some of our early stage startup or some of our early 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 life cycle growth companies to talk about when they get to this section. They say, well, sometimes it's really hard to get feedback, Adrian. Like if we've only got the first you know, 100 or 500 or 1,000 customers, hey, man, it's hard. It's hard to get feedback. It's hard to get service. Yeah. I totally hear that. What I love about what Jeanette just laid out there, guys, in some of the, especially in product and service worlds where 
oftentimes us CX and CSers or support folks, we are literally the people that are hearing the good and the bad and the ugly every damn day. So in effect, we are like literally living vicariously through the customers. Let us be some of the fuel producers of that product feedback. I love that. Tee up your own ticket, set up your own internal dialogue, set up your own internal inflow where if you're already, especially if your customer care, customer success, or customer support team is already pretty much a quasi-expert on whatever piece of technology, whatever product, or whatever service set you are delivering every day, they are almost, <laughs> theoretically, they they are, are, are feedback points that could almost be weighted differently. They could be weighted higher. Because if you think about it, a repeat customer or a repeat user, somebody that's used a solution, a tool, a product, and service more than double digits of times, that person's got a really good sense for what your business, your brand, your product, your service is all about. Folks that are one-off buyers or OTEs, one-time events, one-time buys, OTBs, whatever you guys are calling it in your business, those folks might have just been trial shoppers, right? They wanted it once and they knew yeah. that they were never going to buy it again. And if it and if the thing didn't work, well, then, and they give you that one piece of bad feedback, negative feedback, might not be totally holistic. So, like, I love that you guys are actually leveraging the team and the employees and the people that are building, using, and essentially facilitating the tool to be able to pump some of that feedback right back down to product. That's a really, really easy, low-hanging fruit that most of our listeners can bring back to their business tomorrow. Yeah, totally. I think the culture of the company plays a big role in that too. Like people, everyone at the company should feel comfortable being able to voice feedback, whether it's something they thought of on their own or if it's on behalf of the customer. I've seen in, in previous roles, sometimes like the gut reaction will be to explain to that person who voiced feedback, like why we don't have that feature or why it would be yeah. like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like that person might even know that, but they're still voicing valuable feedback. And I think it's important that, yeah, the culture is just supportive of voicing any, any ideas. I mean, any culture that's built upon feedback being uh, almost like a, like a gift or a, a, or a currency or just like uh, feedback is gold, especially when you're a growth company, yeah. like the faster you can get customers, users, employees to provide feedback, faster you can iterate, the faster you can rinse, wash, repeat, the faster you can make the next best thing or the next mm -hmm. best version of your product. So I love it. Jeanette, this is fantastic. Before uh, before uh, we wrap up today's show, is there anything that you'd like to shout out? Anything new coming up at Owl Labs? Any new products? Any new features coming up that you want to shout out to the CX Nation? Yeah, absolutely. So for those who might already be familiar with Owl Labs, we have our main flagship product called the Meeting Owl, which is the center of the room camera that will pivot uh, to whoever's speaking. Um, but one of the pieces of feedback that we've gotten over time is that uh, it can sometimes be missing that front of the room angle. And so we have a new camera uh, that's shipping in about eight to 10 weeks, but it's live on our website. It's called the Owl Bar. Um, basically, it pairs with the main meeting owl camera that's placed in the center of the room. Um, and it'll typically sit underneath like a, a TV if you have that kind of setup in your conference room. Um, and it gives everyone who's tuning in remotely a view from both the center of the room and the front of the room. And it pairs together. I love it. I love that. So number one, you guys are always going to be innovating on the on the on the new world of the new modern world of meetings and remote work and hybrid work. I love it. Um, Jeanette Wiley, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the CX Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for um, walking us through how the Owl Labs team is tackling the four CX pillars today. And thank you so much for 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 being a part of the CX Nation. We really enjoyed our chat with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning into customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website 
And as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.